Today's episode is brought to you by Better Beer Zero Carb. This award-winning zero-carb beer got sixth in the hottest 100 Aussie craft beers and a bronze at the 2022 Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show. It's an absolute stonker. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and only 87 calories per can. Uh, This award-winning crisp and mighty refreshing beer is simply made of the good stuff. The creme de la creme. Water, malt, hops, and yeast. The zero carb is 4.2% alcohol. Enjoy responsibly. Ain't That Swell presents... This week we're joined by the mad, cosmic, Californian core lord, Dane Gudang Gudanskis Gudowskis. What a pleasure it was to chat with this bubbling, beaming cauldron of positive energy. Fuck, he's the guy, isn't he? What a legend, man. He's uh, got such an infectious brand of personality and uh and surfing obviously i mean far out from four foot two boards to 14 foot he's a master of crafts across the spectrum and uh one of the great style masters of our time too absolute pleasure just a quick note there was a couple of little audio hiccups um right around the seven minute mark from memory had to uh skip over from zoom to Something else and uh, so on and so forth. There's a couple of little glitches in the recording, but uh, the audio quality is perfect. And uh, I've made a note where it fucks up. Hey, hey, Jobsy, your dog. Hey, fucking worm food. Hope you get to light your mat. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you oh. hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, man. Oh, there we go. We popped into the... We popped in right there. <laughs> How good's that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry for the technical difficulties on the uh, takeoff there. Oh, mate, it's all good. Uh, yeah, very <laughs> used to it at this point in the caper. I'm no uh, techno whiz, that's for sure. I'm no tech head. Just a just a battling uh, a battling degenerate, mate. Doing my best. How are you going, Dano? <laughs> you guys, well, I'm good, man. I'm so pumped to be connecting with you guys. We love the show. You guys are on fire, man. No way. Bond, got a good thing going on up the Swellians. Up the Swellians. Fan of the Swellians. No way. Uh, just yeah, me. I, when I told Tanner that I was going to connect with you, he was losing his marbles. He was no just like, way. couldn't believe it. So, oh yeah. man, that's so good. What uh, when did your Swellian journey begin, and and what episodes have tickled your fancy? Um, pretty much there were some cool ones when you were talking about barrel riding. I think it was with Owen Wright, maybe in um South Pacific. I love the Davos one. Um I don't know, just all the stories. And then um Andy King's one was amazing. Oh, he's so just good. all the crew that was just so cool. Yeah, like I don't know, because during our journey we got a chance to spend some time with some of those older guys. Mm. Um and it's just awesome to hear a deeper layer into their perspectives and their journeys and it's cool because when you meet everyone on the road, you just kind of like get to know each other from that level. But it's so rad to have like a little base coat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. I like your intro music. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, I know you're Ernest Wrangling surfing. It's a classic. <laughs> How crazy yeah, is uh, fun. that track? I know you're a music man, but Ernest Wrangling, I believe he's an African American reggae artist or a Jamaican. 
reggae artist, but like to nail an instrumental track that good and then call it surfing, unbelievable. <laughs> More proof of it's concept. Yeah, I love it. The reggae flow is is the magic flow. Yeah. Sure. Man, that's interesting too what you're saying. Like I'm um, getting to know some of those guys like Davo. Uh, back in the day, Chris Davo. I mean, because from memory, your brothers were on tour in 2010, which was, I think, the last year that I covered it full time. And that was Davo's last year on tour. Yeah, I think, um, I believe that Pat had to surf against Chris uh, in Tahiti. And I think it was during the cut. And I'm not sure exactly if that was when Chris's last stint was on the ct or not but pat had to he did the rodeo flip at chopes and and that's what kind of like allowed him to proceed forward and after the mid-year cut so we were watching with bated breath we were like holy crap dude you just did a rodeo flip at chopes which is the last place he'd be thinking about it but no we love Davo. i mean oh my gosh we're it was super sad about his passing but um we had so many fun memories together and just like uh I don't know. Surfing rules. There's so much subculture to it. So many icons who just live their own life in their own way. And it's just inspiring, you know, like all those characters really make up the whole fabric of surfing. And that's why you feel lucky to be a part of it. You know, like it's people like him and just so many others, you know, who are just blazing their own path. And um, yeah, long live Devo. Yeah, right on, man. And uh, couldn't have said it better myself. And you're so much a part of that fabric. You know, watching some of your surf films over the years, you know, you really continue this authentic Californian Americana surf culture, which, you know, to Australians, it's actually, for me anyway, quite exotic. Like, obviously, Southern California and California in general is, is a, a surf culture mecca, has been for a long time. Uh, but you've kind of modernized these classic lines, uh, like on surfboards, I mean, and classic lines are uh, out of your mouth too. And just the, the kind of, <laughs> <laughs> just the, yeah, the energy and, and the culture that you bring to surfing, it's so regional in its flavor. It, it's so classically Californian. And I, I love that about you guys, man. And I love that about the part of the world that you're from. You, you represent it well. Well, thanks, Jed. Yeah, it's a, it's been a really fun journey. You know, obviously, um, California's got a really rich surfing history. And for us growing up in San Clemente, you know, growing up, looking up to, you know, guys like Christian and Nathan, who had that crazy air game at Lowers and Archie and Dino and Chris Ward and Shane Bash and all those guys were hugely influential in our upbringing. And then even down to Greg Long, Rusty Long, kind of letting us tag along on some big, big wave missions early on. And um, so it's such a diverse landscape. And then every surf town you go up and down the coast, it's about the same thing, you know, like Santa Cruz has their crew, Huntington's got their crew, San Diego, and everyone's got this great surf history as well behind them. And it all adds up to the whole accumulation of, you know, just an amazing surf story. So it's, we feel real grateful to be, from California and hopefully carry the flag in an honorable way where people get stoked. And, you know, we just love surfing. So I don't know, <laughs> I guess people resonate with that maybe, but uh, at the end of the day, like I wake up every morning, just try and get in the water. And, and that 
that feels good, you know? So that's, that's enough for me at this point. So. Well said, man. Hey, I'm just having a couple of issues with the audio. So I might just run a quick check. Oh, and we're back. Oh man. Yeah. That was like total technical shock town. Have a look at this, mate. Can you believe we're even capable of this? Just a couple of humble wax heads <laughs> just out there in the telecommuting universe doing our best. I know, you know, it's so funny. It's like after two years of Zoom calls over COVID and I still can't get the hang of it. <laughs> I'm like, how is this infinitely impossible for me? <laughs> like, it's horrible. Right, I feel like some version of this uh, technical chicanery goes down every time I try and do one of these. Start, you can start over, whatever. I don't, I'm, uh, I'm down. I, I got time, so. I'm cruising. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. We're, we're away, man. I mean, I'll just pick up where we left off. You were, uh, yeah, you were mentioning just all the names from that Southern Californian zone and hearing them just listed like that, you get a real sense of just how many surfing characters there are in such a condensed part of the world. Um, and, you know, you represent every single one of those people in a sense. Like, uh, you know, I feel like there's bits of all of those people in you, uh, you know, you think about like the, the big wave maniacs, like the Long Brothers, the the Comp Demons, I guess, like Dino, and later on Chloe and and Potts even spent a period there, and then the, the, the Aerial Wizards, like the Fletcher family, and uh, the Style Diehards like Machado, and then you got the Longboarders like Tudor and and Birch, and man, you've like uh, you've branched out into every one of those modes and, and methods of, of riding waves. Yeah, well, I mean that's. Uh... The, just, I guess, the most important thing I've learned from everyone is just to blaze your own path and and just kind of listen to your inner compass. And for us, my brother and I just growing up, we were fascinated with the full range of surfing, you know, the whole dimension uh, between big wave surfing, small wave surfing, competition, tube riding, um, and just trying to be experienced in all capacities of it. Um, it's been inspiring because there's really never a dull moment. And um, for me, it's it's been interesting because I feel like I've had different kind of chapters in my life and every one of them's taught me something and it take it with me to the next step. And I feel like my ability to read the wave is in a different place than it was when I was in my 20s. And it's, it's just on a deeper level. It's just such an interesting, deeper connection based on riding all these different boards and hanging out with different people and riding these different kind of waves. And so for me, it's, it's, it's like an everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, I, I want that relationship with surfing for myself to be lifelong. So that's why I'm so interested in such diversity, you know? I love that, man. Yeah, you're a true samurai. I, I, I believe the, the samurais in Japan, you know, they have to be a master of calligraphy just as well as they have to be a master of the sword. And, uh, I mean, you're riding boards from 4'2 to 12 foot <laughs> and riding them all really well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, like you said, it, it deepens the well of experience. But in a lot of ways, it also makes you less judgmental. I feel like a lot of people get stuck on a trip and then they become like dismissive of the various other trips and um i, don't know, I think that's kind of lame like i don't think that's what surfing's about um and i feel like when you connect with all those different crafts and experiences 
um, yeah, you're connecting with the pure energy of surfing waves and surfing storms and, and riding energy. And um, yeah, I see that a lot in, in, in not just the way you surf, but the person you are. Like you're an energetic character. You've taken on a lot of the energy that nature's given you. Well, well thanks, Chad. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, it also teaches you to be humble because those first times you, you tap in or you try a different board. And a lot of times I'm riding these crazy boards. Like I have a 14 foot, four inch coupe box board that's been modified, um, which is like kind of like this old Tom Blake wooden design hollow. And it's so funny because you, you pull it off the car and just let alone driving anywhere with a 14 foot surfboard on your car. Like, <laughs> like people are staring at you. So, you know, I'm pretty like, uh, you know, shy. Uh, as much energy as I have, I, I'm quite shy. So like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like everyone's going to be watching me, you know? And, uh, but it's just part of the journey. Just, just, I don't know. It's just so fun. And it's like, like I said, you can, there's so many dimensions to surfing and so much to learn that it's endless. So, yeah. Man. And talk to us a bit about your family. I love getting to the roots of the people that we have on the show uh, and where they're from and getting a real sense of the, the locality and regional kind of uh, culture. Like talk to us uh, a bit about the origins of the Gudang clan. Yeah. Well, it's um, Pat Tanner and I, um, and we grew up in San Clemente. Well, Kappa beach originally, um, and yeah, we just fell in love with surfing. Our parents, uh, dad worked in the surf industry as a sales rep for locomotion for like 20 years or more, which wow. is like hanging out with like Pat Rawson and Rob Burns, Jack Meyer and the whole crew, Lewis Ross on the East coast. And so we had the surf videos, like, you know, he would bring home his samples, uh, of clothes and his catalogs. And we thought those were like our surf mags, you know, we would peel through them and, and we'd be like, wow, look at all these surf photos. And, you know, we had some epic old locomotion videos, VHS of Tony Moniz and buttons and all those guys. So, so that part of our development was like hugely uh, rooted there in surfing. And um, we just surfed all the time, you know, San Clemente at the time was pretty, um, pretty cool place at that point. You know, you had a lot of different influences and demographics above us. Um, you know, Mike Lawsonis, Nate Yeomans. And then there was that uh, big Lost crew at the time. You know, we'd see Corey and Chris and um, Andy and Bruce would be rolling around. And um, wow. it was just cool. Like, you know, there was a there was a scene happening. It was kind of kind of raw. You know, it was a raw energy at that time in San Clemente. And so it just felt... I don't know. It was, it was, it helped us push ourselves to, to go beyond maybe where we were, you know, would have been. So it was a, it was an exciting time in San Clemente. Man, talk about a baptism of fire, like sharing space with the, the lost team during those years must've been pretty raucous. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's cool. Cause everyone was just um, attacking, attacking the waves, you know, and it, it was heavy and, um, I don't know. It's just there was a lot of interesting characters coming through at that time. Um, I, I bet you, all around, a lot of the surfing scenes at that time was just a bit more raw and unpolished, and you were exposed to a lot more grit, <laughs> and uh, you had to, uh, mm. you know, go with the flow. And um, when you entered the lineup, you know, you had to read the room. You know, we were growing up as three towheads, and smiling and psyched and and wanting to get a piece of it, 
but you know, when you show up three of us and I think we probably all had matching wetsuits at the time. So we had to learn how to like engage with people and understand the mm. flow of a lineup and those kind of, um, mm. that, that education was pivotal in terms of how we approach everywhere we go now. I mean, gosh, you gotta be, you know, just give more than you take and just enjoy the ride. You know, it's, that's kind of what we learned from an early age. So. Yeah, that is such a rite of passage, man. And obviously now uh, a lot of people come to surfing later and they miss out on that. They miss that crucial rite of passage where you just, um, yeah, you got to understand your ability and be respectful, especially uh, if you're of a, you know, really mediocre or beginner ability and respect, um, you know, the alpha males in that or the, the apex predators in that lineup. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tricky one, I, I guess, with a lot of adult learners because often they, they surf as good as an eight-year-old, but they're a full-grown adult. So, <laughs> um, and I, that's no disrespect. That's just the, the truth of it. So, like, essentially in the lineup, you have the rights of an eight-year-old and, and not many adults enjoy uh, <laughs> that brutal that yeah. truth, you know? Well, it's uh, the ocean's just constantly keeping you humble. You know, <laughs> that's to me, it's like, uh, yeah, you just got to go out there with the right state of mind. And sometimes it's easier to get in that chill space, but um, yeah, you got to be, got to be easy with it. You know, mm. can't be too crazy. <laughs> and who so. are the guys that like really left an imprint on you uh, surfing wise as a grown? Um, well, definitely like Greg Long used to pick us up in his Volkswagen van and take us to school, which was hilarious. Uh, I remember just like, and Chris, Chris Ward was amazing to us growing up. He was always super cool, super open and sharing his advice and just was like supportive, you know, and that time was a bit more cutthroat. So like having his support was just amazing. Um, and then obviously as our development kept going on, you know, guys like Nathan Fletcher, uh, was just, he was a rock man. You know, I had so much, so many memories and trips together, whether it was huge waves just, or, you know, just surfing good waves really. And just talking and hearing his perspective on life and the Fletcher family and Astrodeck and, you know, Dibby and Herbie, they would always make time for us to come up to the factory and catch up on like surf history from their uh, point of view, which is, you know, they've lived it through and through generationally, which is amazing. Have you ever seen Dibby's show? Uh, I think it's called D sides on YouTube. No. What? Have you seen it? No, nah, man. I've got to catch that. Oh my yeah. gosh. No, it's amazing. She does like the most badass like hardcore interviews with like uh, Andy or just, just guys from that era yeah. of surfing. I've seen it. And it's, it. Super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really raw. <laughs> like, I, you know, and those guys, um, they're really creative and it just, it just left that imprint on all three of us to just freaking, the more you can be yourself, the, the more authentic your experience is going to be in life and in the water and all around it. Like just, just dive in there and, if it's weird and uncomfortable or whatever, that's the beauty of life. And it's just, you get to be that your own, you know, you get to do your own thing. So man, that is that's, such that's, sage advice. I love that dude. Yeah. It's, 
it's fun. And there's a lot of open-minded characters around uh, those parts. So, so it's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the hard parts of being yourself, that just means you're probably in a situation that you shouldn't be in or shouldn't hang in. So move on. Like, uh, but keep being yourself. Don't let the, the crowd get to you. Uh, don't let the consensus yeah, it's hard. wear you down. It is hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember growing up and, you know, right around high school feeling a little bit, um, just kind of uncomfortable at that time, kind of, and then into my early twenties too, when I was competing a bit, just kind of felt a little bit disconnected, lost. And it was those moments when you kind of have the opportunity to reflect and, you know, those idiosyncrasies or whatever you want to call it of each of us, you know, whatever makes us weird, makes us special. And, you know, we're all struggling with certain similarities in our life. Ah, nuts. Done to me again. Uh, it's cut out and Dane just begins picking up a thread talking about his years on the WQS. And so to me, those uncomfortable moments allowed me to feel superhuman and connected to everything and that's gone with me for the rest of my life. You know? So I guess it's not bad to be, you know, a little weird. That's right. We're all a little weird. Uh, that's what, what's what makes it so glorious, man. So, so classic to think of you on the QS and, um, I mean, far out and your brother's doing the QS and qualifying together at the same time. Like, man, what an effort. Like, Holy shit. Talk to us about the QS. I mean, far out. It is like fully surfing's purgatory. It's like you have to go through this insane grind before you get to Nirvana in a sense, which is the world tour. You get good waves and, and, and better money. But man, a lot of surfers don't get through that purgatory. Yeah, I think it's character building, you know, and I think it's beneficial no matter how it shakes out, um, unless it, the wheels just completely fall off the car. But uh, it's challenging, you know, but it's also we get the chance to live this cool life surfing. And, you know, at a certain point, you got to step back and feel grateful, uh, no matter how great the challenges are. But, you know, there's some tough times on that tour and it just makes you appreciate where you are. You know, like when I stepped away and started free surfing and riding all these waves, I had the work ethic because I knew how hard it was to do the mm -hmm. QS at that time it was like 25 events. So it's like, man, you mean I get to just surf good waves now? And just, I just got to work my ass off to just do what I can do. And so, yeah, it's, it teaches you work ethic. That's for sure. And uh, hats off to everyone who's qualified. I, it's hard unless you've, been in the trenches to really know how much those guys go through and, and the women too. And so I, I have a deep respect and appreciation for all the guys on tour and battling it out and giving it hell, you know, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Me too, so. man. Anyone who's made it to that elite level is an absolute superstar in my books. Like uh, even if it was a, a one year, even Ricky Baznet, even a guy who never managed more yeah. than last place on the world tour, Man, the level you have to surf at to get through the QS, like there was guys who were, you know, world junior champs, uh, Pablo Paulino springs to mind, who, who've, who've never made it. They never got to the world tour. You know, uh, Maxime Houston, I remember watching him win a world junior championship, an event that Medina, Marzo, uh, Jadson Andre, and uh, oh, yeah, man, there's some other really big names in that event. He won that event and you know, he was a fresh-faced 
young Gromit uh, from, I think, Reunion Island, and it was all expected that he'd just go onto the world tour and breeze it. Ten years later, he's got a receding hairline. He's getting around in the <laughs> Zimmer frame. He's finally got his crack on the world tour. I know. It is, that's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's freaking sick, dude. Dedicate yourself for 10 years. You get to see the light, and you take the shot. And whatever else happens is a, a blessing. So, yeah, I love nothing gets me more pumped than seeing guys like Maxime live their dream out there and freaking just swing for the fences and hopefully take down some big scalps and and just, you know, at the end of the day, kick out and feel like, oh, that was a crazy journey, you know. So, yeah, I'm all in for the underdog. I was the underdog, too. I, I love that shit. So for me, that was, you know, I always felt like, man. I am always cheering for those guys, you know. What are your memories from that period? Because as, you know, torturous as, as the events can be, like you're on tour with your mates, like there's so many shenanigans and, and funny shit going on. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, everywhere you go is an awesome party. So <laughs> I wasn't like uh, making a lot of heat. So I had a lot of free time, <laughs> if that makes sense. But uh you know, it was cool because we ended up making a lot of good friends. And, you know, like one of them, like Kepa Sarah, you know, I've gone on to travel the whole world with Kepa, you know, and some crazy up and down the coast of Africa and all around. And, you know, it's you're just your relationships are just forged in the fire. And I think for so many generations, you know, before us and after us, that story rings true for everyone, you know, so. To me, it's, that's the value of it, you know, for better or worse, you know, I never qualified, but it, I just love meeting all the f- cool people, you know, more than anything. Mm, so, mm. And, and all the cultures and places you go, like what, what were the, some of the most eye-opening places to visit? Um, well, there's some really, yeah, I mean, for the competitions, that's one thing, um, I can't really think of any off the top of my head that were baffling or mind blowing, but um, free surfing, just traveling around, uh, you know, Africa is as raw as it gets and um, West Africa, particularly, you can find a a lot of ways with no one around and the culture is so beautiful and rich and um, yeah, South Africa, all of it, you know, Mm. people are pretty, pretty special around there. So. Yeah, traveling the the great Basque nomad Kepa. Wow, man, what a character he is. He's uh, I don't know if there's <laughs> anyone more intrepid than that dude. Fire out, man. He's been on some wild missions. Yeah, and and I love being around people like that who are just constantly inspired and thinking outside the box. And um, he hangs with Nacho and the whole Basque crew. Is just really good, good people that we've gotten to become really good friends with. And um. Yeah, it's it's about surrounding yourself with people who inspire you to think outside the box and dig deep and take some risks and see some new places. And Kepa's definitely, you you know, he's he's out there. You know, he's ready to go camp in Angola for forty days and in a tent and not worry about a thing. So I like being surrounded by people like that. Man, that's crazy. I mean, do you have any wild stories from that period? I'm always interested in, in anecdotes or, uh, you know, vignettes f- from journeys like that because 
far out. Like uh, not many of us get to do them. Not many of us get to do them with someone like Kepper. Like, uh, I mean, a couple of trips I have done with guys similar to him, like Travis Potter, um, you know, just through the guts of Indo, like really kind of, you're making hard yards, man, doing overland trips in fucking central Java. But uh, I just remember how, like, just unperturbed. Like, these people, they're unruffleable. Like, shit can go pear-shaped. But their ability to just remain calm in those situations, man, that's such a skill. And I guess it's a, a skill that can only be earned through endless hours in transit and camels just dropping your boards <laughs> and trampling all over them and shit. I don't know what goes on in those missions, but... uh. Yeah, man. What what are you what are you most vivid memories? Well, I can't even imagine how much fun you guys had on on those hell missions. I mean, I love watching uh, Timmy and all those guys their movies. What was that one? First yeah, thoughts or second thoughts, man. Yeah, I mean second those guys are, are, are from I guess Huntington and Seal Beach. That and I kind of see some of their journey and your journey just in the 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 thirst for adventure. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like, just like you said, like, you're around these people who are embracing the uncertainty and the adventure. And to me, it, it fills me with this sense of like, I don't know, like, excitement and wonder and confidence and just giving that like, hey, like, things are going crazy all around you. But it's just like, in a huge barrel, there's no difference. You, it's that poise and that moment, setting the line, setting the intention and just staying present in it. And just understanding that this is the most beautiful experience that you get to to be realizing, even if it's freaking hectic and chaos, it's all part of your story. So it doesn't matter if you wipe out or what, it's just going to, you know, if you pull it, it's going to be a great story. <laughs> you just got to ride through it somehow, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, but I love those people because they sometimes they push you beyond your comfort zones. And to me, some, you, we all might need that at some point in our life. So, yeah, there, there's some raw characters out there that are just not afraid of anything, but maybe they are afraid. You, you never know. And they just they're handling it in a really cool, graceful way and and making the most of it. So, mm. Yeah, and you know the surf travel that I was raised on, I guess, just through magazines and the media and whatnot. It was always about going somewhere new and and, and different and, and getting like a, a cultural experience and roughing it a bit and you know not having the guarantees of just going to Indo and the same old spots. And and some of my first trips were, you know, in my mind it was ironic thinking back to it being seventeen and and thinking like, oh fucking no, Indo's blown out, even though like Karamas hadn't even been discovered then. <laughs> idiot but uh <laughs> like so we went you know we went uh the other direction out into the pacific and fuck man there's still some of my most memorable trips just to you know through polynesia and uh you know places where surfing was you know kind of barely established and you still uh were relying on on a certain novelty value and and which brought with it a a goodwill from the locals that you're interacting with. And of course we fucking scored, man. You always like you score waves that, you know, they were world-class in that, those situations, but also like the experience is so much richer that the quality of the waves is, uh, reduced in its importance. If you know what I mean? Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, like what's the most important thing really is like connecting with people, learning about, their origin learning about their heritage learning about their culture 
and just sharing that space and time. And it's going to come, it's going to come through in the surfing. It's going to come through in how you're riding those waves or understanding those waves on a, just a bit of a deeper level. That's the way I've always felt like the more in the moment you are and taking advantage of every opportunity you can to sit with someone and talk with them and hang out and just whatever, even if it's taking you away from something else, if you're on a trip, I'm always just down for that kind of opportunity because it's going to come through. And then, you know, you'll look back and whether it's just a memory of your ride or a video of your ride or whatever it may be, I swear when you're just present in the moment and just appreciating the people and the culture, somehow it works its way through in your whole little trip and you get just what you're looking for. You know, I always, I think about that. And like, whenever I'm kind of trying to press a fast forward button, it just, just, I don't know. It like pulls you out of the rhythm. Mm. You know? Yeah. And what is the culture like, like in these parts of Africa that you went? Like, I mean, I think back to um, those trips to Polynesia and like, man, it was like, it was like a, a strange combo of like, uh, you know, these places hadn't really been touched by uh, Western influence all that much. Like there was kind of Christian, Christianity was, was omnipresent, but uh, yeah, it was still like super authentic, old school, tropical huts. And, you know, it, it was like kind of Hawaii, probably in the fuck, I don't know, sixties or something like that. What was, uh, you know, talk us through some of these uh, places in Africa. I'd love to just get a, an insight into, into what it's like on the ground. Well, um, you know, some places are, you know, navigating their own cultural hardships or whatever society is, you know, we were in Nigeria spending some time there and surfing. I was on a trip with Dylan Graves and um, we really connected and resonated with this amazing community of kids who was surfing this wave. And, you know, Nigeria itself has a lot of challenges and the kids, you know, at the time it was on a little Island and they all got kind of kicked off the Island and had to move back to Lagos. And I'm not sure wow. a lot about their living situation, um, was touch and go. Um, but the spirit was so pure and bright. Um, it was just beautiful, you know, it was inspiring. And they, I still get calls all the time from the kids down there. No way. And yeah, it's so, it's, it makes you stoked to be a surfer and to share that opportunity. But, um, you know, everyone's, like I said, navigating their own circumstances. And a lot of times down there, there was some, some difficult ones, but, but really some excitement about surfing and a beautiful natural ability. And it was just awesome to see the kids loving it and ripping it and doing airs and learning moves and doing some crazy shit that I've never even seen done, like frontside rail grab cars, like <laughs> with a front hand, like they were innovating in a whole new way. Yeah. Like, Picture seeing surfing without having seen the surfing that you you grew up understanding. It was just, it was cool, you know? So to me, like, I get really juiced hanging out with people in those communities who are just, like, seeing it for the first time, just fully loving that whole thing. And just doesn't matter what it looks like. It's just about what it feels like and really celebrating it. And, and they're evolving. And, yeah, so... That's kind of what it's like, I guess, in Nigeria. All around, each country has got its own cool little flavor, man. They're they're all bringing something really special, and it's really cool. 
I think in the next five to 10 years, it's going to be a huge push out of that continent of just amazing world-class surfers. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Oh man. That's uh, I love that description. Yeah. It's so interesting. You forget what surfing looks like when it's still in that raw phase without all the saturation of the media and the internet um, and surf films and whatnot and how sick it is, how just like raw and fulfilling and there's like su- such limited judgment. There's so much laughter. You know, how, how often do you paddle out into <laughs> yeah. a lineup, an established lineup and see people pissing themselves laughing and, and hooting and carrying on and just like having classic stacks. You know what I mean? You do that shit when you're a little kid, but even now little kids, that's kind of been lost. It's, surfing's become so serious and such a kind of uh, like a, in a lot of people's interpretation of it. But I feel like you, the more f- far you travel to those kind of corners, it's still in that, stage of beautiful innocence yeah and and for better or for worse with surfing in the olympics you know i know that it's a big like northern star for a lot of emerging surf cultures and communities who are like wow like maybe they can get government funding from the olympic committees to you know support a clubhouse or boards or x y and z so it's it's to me when i think about what gets me excited in surfing contest and all this and that like the isa is so lit it gets me frothy because there's so many cultures and countries coming together and experiencing surfing and contest and you know i remember i was the i was in norway surfing on a trip up in the very far north a long time ago probably 10 years ago and uh there were just beginning surfing but they had heard about the isas and they wanted to put a team in the following year and it was at oceanside and so i was like man i'd love to be your guys coach but it was so beautiful to see a surf culture who was coming together hanging out learning about priority they didn't know about priority 20 like why heats were the way they were and they were so focused and excited about it and making progress and i got to introduce the first surfer from norway to the first surfer from jamaica and they were having conversations on the spot about what it was like to be pioneering surfing in their own, you know, places. And it was just, I don't know, that to me, it gets me juiced. You know, I think of that as the really exciting part of surf contest and what they could be and how they could inspire people to get involved in all these emerging countries. So. Wow, that's a fascinating insight, man. I'm just picturing that, uh, the Norwegian dude and the Jamaican guy, yeah, both being pioneers of their culture, uh, their surf culture, in their culture at the same time and exchanging that. Yeah, that dialogue's classic. That's, yeah. It was cool. I mean, it's hard to be a pioneer in anything nowadays. I mean, these guys are just, they were, yeah, cowboys, you know, and you got to imagine in both those locations that surfing just wasn't, easily accessible so you know and and now more than ever access to equipment and all that stuff that's the biggest challenge i feel like faces facing a lot of the emerging communities so um yeah i think once they get good boards it'll be off to the races totally man and that's something you guys have tried to address with the the positive vibe warriors foundation which i love i'm a massive fan of what you guys do and and it's such a shame that there is this shortage of quality equipment in these places. Because, man, I look under my house. Fuck, I must have, I don't even know, like, <laughs> there's probably 20 boards lying around this joint. Um, none of which will 
ever be probably ridden by me again. So uh, yeah, it's a shame. I was I was thinking actually the other day of uh, hitting Mick up, Mick Fanny. He's got this golf day that makes a mint every year, and uh, you know just getting a, a van and filling up with all these boards. There's a indigenous mission just around the corner from me. Um, they got they're actually living on this island and it got flooded, so now they live like they put all these kind of pods on this golf course. But it'd be so sick to pack a van with uh, the boards and just go pick the groms up, take them down the beach near here and uh, basically replicate the work that you guys have already done in, in places like South Africa with kids from the townships. I mean, talk us through that experience, man. The, the townships in South Africa, frick, those things are so gnarly. It's been really a cool journey and most notably just connecting with some really passionate leaders in those communities, you know, like um, we did our first board drive in Jamaica um, and ended up raising about 200 boards for those guys, for the island, for the whole nation. And it was funny because that was right, like when we were understanding like social media and this, you know, the spread or, of information that you could get out. And so we were pretty overwhelmed with the amount of boards and just understanding how it went. And so we, we saw the potential and then, you know, in South Africa was our second one and we were working with Mikey Febs and he was connected with the waves for change crew and surface, not street children in Durban. Mm, and, um, mm. man, but, and Tom Hewitt and all these guys, they're just, their hearts are so big. And when you talk to them and how much they care about their own communities, and just want to see people succeed. It's like, hell yeah, I want to support that. Like this, we felt like our role was just to be able to connect our community or our industry with surfing and our relationships with sponsors or any access to funding that we could find to help people who, who were really passionate about it and just didn't have the access and, or, or maybe the ease of access, you know? So that just got us pumped and, and to see the kids in the townships and the amazing work that those NGOs are doing and, and just allowing the kids to feel inspired and feel empowered and feel connected. It was beautiful. You know, it's a lot of challenging situations down there. It's a lot of challenge challenges for sure. But, um, you know, it was, it was special to have that opportunity and people from both sides felt really, really excited about it. You know, people donating their boards and, and then the people receiving them. So it was a really uh, satisfying experience, you know? Oh man. I can't imagine how full your heart would have been after that. What a crazy journey. What a crazy trip to go down there. And I yeah. wish, I wish you could have seen our house. So like, I think there was over 800 boards in, for <laughs> South Africa and our house at the time, we were all living together, Patrick Tanner and I, and we would just go collect all these boards. We thought we had this great idea. You know, once a week, we would go collect boards from like five locations. And it turned out by like the third week, our whole house, like the front yard was just, you know, you couldn't see the sunlight. It was just stacks of surfboards. Like we're just like, wow, what did we get ourselves into? And we had to scrape all the wax off and do all this stuff and get them polished up. And But it was all worth it, you know, when we, we got down there and hung out with everyone and it was just, yeah, it was surreal, man. So, you know, all the, I, I'm just stoked that, you know, they can get that connection to the ocean and hopefully that um, can give them a little bit of juice in their life to overcome whatever's going on. And uh, 
Yeah, just know the ocean's always there for anyone who needs it, you know? It's a, a beautiful place where we can all learn and overcome challenges and deal with grief and all sorts of stuff. And hanging out with the people who lead those NGOs and who think about the ocean in a different way, um, that's just had a huge impact on us. Mm, yeah, I guess so much of their healing potential of surfing and the ocean just comes through the the sense of purpose it gives you and this kind of positive feedback loop of, you know, you can progress fairly quickly and fairly easily, particularly uh, as a young person. I mean, I, let's not say like quickly and easily, but it's an enjoyable process, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, like for those kids, man, like freak, like home life, you know, as people who listen to this program a, a lot will already know, like, you know, the, the townships, like they are full blown slums. You've got like, you know, people living in houses made out of scavenged wood and corrugated tin with dirt floors and no electricity. And they're right across the road from mansions and there's guns, like illegal guns everywhere. And gangsters that are like 14 years old running around with guns and knives stabbing each other and man it's gnarly um we had josie faulkner on the show actually you know josie um no but i i listened to you guys show and it got me so pumped and i've been following on instagram him and uh sharif i think they're over in morocco right now oh oh, man yeah it just gets you stoked man like that story is like it's all time, you know, yeah, those guys are paving the way for a whole new generation and, totally. and inspiring a lot of people. So that to me is like incredible that, um, you know, that perseverance to uplift and elevate all others around you and just, you know, overcome some crazy stuff. <laughs> Man, how inspiring is that kid? Like, I think uh, I've been doing this job for freak, I don't know, 15 years or something, but like that is the the most touched I've ever been by a, a story that's been told to me, like listening to him talk about his life and, and the commitment to the path that he's on. I was just like, man, you are like the hero of the world, dude. You're like a, I got no words to describe um, that level of, of hardship and perseverance and um, that kind of emotional and spiritual maturity at such a young age i think he's like 21 or something but yeah and and if you if you you know if anyone's hasn't listened to that go back and listen to it just so you can understand the situation that some of these kids are in um with the drugs and violence and poverty and that but then surfing is this like full tonic where it's just like wow you can spend freaking you can spend as much time at the beach as you want and you got and you know surfers uh, not street children have set these clubhouses up which kind of double as refuges and man it must be having such a, a huge impact on those kids lives yeah and it's just you know that kind of is a catalyst for pushing to get better and you know i mean I feel like that energy, you see a lot of it out of, you know, how hungry the crew was out of Brazil at that period of time when Mm. the Brazilian storm really blew up. And, you know, that's why, like, when I think of Africa, I think of just, you know, a possibility of some incredible potential of uh, world champions, to be honest, coming out of there. And, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, yeah, you know, Mm. nothing... It's a, the surfing is a great place to just take out just 
you know, just to dig into it, you know, just bite into it and just sort of, ah, shake it out and, and just give it all you got. So, yeah, that drive to improve your family situation, lift them out of poverty. Like there's no drive like that, uh, in sport. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it repeat over and over again across a range of disciplines. It, it is so famous for producing champions and within our own sport too. I mean, a lot of the, the greats come from pretty poor and, um, you know, pretty hard backgrounds. You know, Mick Fanning, one of five children, or a single mom. You know, John, one of well, three to a single mom. Like Gabby, one of two to a single mom. Uh, yeah, uh, Jaddy, Italo. Like, yeah, a lot of the Brazilians, obviously. Like, that, that, that's a, a town, a country not dissimilar to... South Africa in terms of just the, the poverty and, and the hardship, but man, it, it creates champions, but it creates champions in that competitive space where those, uh, those kind of virtues are, they got a place, you know, you can use that fire and that fierce competitive attitude to succeed. And it's a crazy thing, you know, you, man, it must've been a trip for you. Like, coming from a good family and a, a decent part of the world and then being thrust into this competitive environment. And you're this happy-go-lucky guy, or so it seems to me, and you're up against, like, fire-breathing maniacs of you know, growing up in a tin shed and they're just trying <laughs> to make their mark on the world. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole different brand of surfing, but it's sick at the same time. Yeah, you know, I think... Um it just surfing, especially competitive surfing uh, at that stage of my life, just taught a deep like respect for people coming out and, and giving it a hundred percent, no matter what their background is. And, you know, my brothers and I, we, I think we always kind of felt like the underdogs, no matter what circumstance we were in. And so I was able to kind of dig a little deeper and find that extra juice. But um, yeah, the, the QS really was a great education and just human understanding, you know, and, and knowing that everyone's coming from a different place and here we can come and compete all together and share that space and listen to each other and, and just push each other, you know, like, let's, let's dig into it. You know, <laughs> let's get into it. So I love that, you know, and pushing each other to the limit. And it was fun. You know, it was a really great time. Yeah. I bet. And uh, man, I love that it taught you work ethic because if there is one thing I could pass on to my children, it's work ethic. Uh, work ethic will get you out of almost any bind. If, if, you have, if you know what it is and know what hard work is and have the ability to draw on that and, and put yourself in uncomfortable and uh, yeah, just uncomfortable situations and, and, and know that if you put the work in, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's going to get better because I'm, I'm working hard at this thing. Man, you can apply that lens to almost anything in life. And it, it really is um, you know, something I learned from sport, actually. I think sport is the, one of the greatest teachers of work ethic. That and swinging shovels on hot days on building sites in uh, <laughs> South Sydney in the city. But yeah, um, work ethic, man, so good. And so when you transitioned from the QS uh, into what came after that? I mean, what was that transition like? Like, so were you always on vans even when you're doing the queue? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, let me think back. I've been with vans for 20 years. Um, so when we were amateurs, I rode for their shoes. And then when they launched apparel, 
must have been about 20 years old. We we started with that, and um, they've just been a fantastic support system. Um, and yeah, we were doing the contest and stuff, and I remember peeling away and saying I wanted to do a different thing. It, I literally was just hitting the wall. Do you, you know that feeling when you're just like, man, this is not the language that I speak. This I, I'm lost here, <laughs> you know. And I didn't connect with it. And my brothers were really finding their own success, and I was so excited. And I was realizing that I just loved watching them their heats, you know, more than even surfing my own. And uh, but I loved pulling into huge closeouts, like something in that that just the view and then the beat down was just like intoxicating to me. Like I felt really connected to that. Like, like just fuck, if I could just pack a 40 foot closeout, I think I'd feel great. You know, so there was something weirdly, I don't know, about that that resonated with me. So and that was at the time. Um, I got to know Reef McIntosh and Danny Fuller and those guys really took me under their wing and, uh, you know, allowed me to spend time with them in Hawaii and, and go to Fiji and Tahiti and stuff. And, um, just kind of taught me the ropes of, of how to navigate, uh, trying to get photos in the magazine, trying to link up with the right people and how to make a career out of, you know, shooting photos, which I'm so grateful for. Those guys were, incredibly influential in my life. And then, you know, obviously with Nathan, um, that was like the next chapter with, you know, kind of spearheading into some bigger waves. There was like the Fiji run of swell from 2011 onward that started to come to light. And, uh, you know, I just found something that I, I felt like connected with me. Like I was actually kind of good at this thing and, it gave me confidence and juice to explore it deeper and obviously still pull into big barrels and get wipeouts and that felt good at that time too. So I don't know. It was, it was, it was good, man. Like it's, it's all good still, but that transition was the best transition of my life. Right. And, and where did that appetite for, you know, in your words, packing 40 foot closeouts or wanting to, uh, where did I-, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've packed a packed one, but you know, in your mind, you always, you, you wish it was a little, you know, let's just get it to the top. Yeah. Well, man, that, that one you got in that 2012 swell at Fiji, I don't know if it was 40 foot, but it's like 20 foot by 20 foot or something. That thing is psycho, dude. <laughs> like the way it keeps growing and flaring. I don't know what happened to you on that way. Did you kick out of that thing? Um, that one in 2012 I did. Yeah. It's, it was a really cool opportunity. I had gone, started to go there right when it, I think it started opening up to the public in 2010 or nine, maybe the back end of nine. Um, I think Lori and some other crew had gone 2010 and then I was lucky enough to be there 2011, the year that Bruce got his huge one. Oh, and that pink board, Um, where were you when that went down? I was uh, looking right into it. I was on the no. boat and it was, yeah, it was awesome. And that was Nathan's board. And he had ridden this huge one. I remember if you recall that wave that Cole got that, I think they just oh. did a feature on stab. Right. I literally was like on the, like going up and I looked down as he was dropping in. I was like, Whoa. and I, you know, it's um something that you aren't ready to see until you see it. Like you can't, you can't even imagine seeing a, you know, a wave that big barreling, like just morphing into this crazy cone 
for 40 seconds down the reef. You know, it's, it's something that was like, almost like, holy, <laughs> like, holy shit. I can't believe I'm seeing this. So the first trip out there, I was like, you know, kind of a deer in the headlights, trying to figure out location, positioning. Um, 2012 was the next year and I had a little more confidence. I had a bigger board and it was heavy because Aaron Gold's situation happened in the morning when he kind of went unconscious. And I remember being off the boat and paddling out in the water and kind of seeing his board floating and um, the current was really strong. And so I was like trying to paddle it that way, but it, not making any ground. And then Yuri came in with the ski and we were able to save him and bring him to the boat. And actually, um, you know, like guys like Billy Kemper and Greg Long, those guys were doing amazing CPR work. Um, and that, but that moment made me realize like, no, that was 2016. 2012 was the day that uh, the Vulcan was, huh? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that day was that day was fun too because I got to share it with Patrick, and yeah. that was the funniest thing in the world because we only had a few boards, and then Pat ended up taking out my little six eight and doing that airdrop. Bro, I'll never forget <laughs> that. Like... I'll never forget that. That was unbelievable. It, like watching it live, he got so hung up, and you're like, "Oh my god, he's dead!" And he just sticks it and then still dies. But like, it was an impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I was so baffled. It was funny because like he's like. We were both paddling up the wave together, and he, I, he says something like, oh, "I'm going." I'm like, "Really? Like, I don't know about this one." And he just sent it, and I was like, "Holy!" I looked back, and I thought he was with me, but he he had gone. And um, I saw the footage afterwards. I'm like, "Oh my god!" So oh, man, I wish. But yeah, he's a nutcase, man. I love Pat. He in big waves, he he like turns into like a little psycho. So uh, we don't ride giant waves often but when we do it's just such a fun experience and um but fiji for some reason like i just had so much uh more of a relaxed effort because it was felt like a big wave that was a normal wave you know it didn't mm, feel big at all fully. it just kind of it was it's the same like curvature of the wave face and same kind of like wave selection that you want it just amplified so that gave me a little more confidence um to go for it yeah it's like a mix of pipe and g-land like you know a lot of them are kind of a, a roll-in but then the thing just grows and grows and grows and you're trapped in a chamber of doom oh man yeah. wow you guys were such titans that day that was that period of i guess yeah whenever it opened uh 2009 or 10 or whatever till today oh man but those first few years were just unbelievable as just a spectator and a surf fan who wanted nothing to do with that to watch you guys uh and, and what it did to just our concept of how big barrels could be ridden like it blew everything out of the water man it, it, i feel like you know slater talks about how surfing moves along in uh incremental kind of movements and that's generally true but i feel like that was felt like a kind of more quantum style leap or like it just went from went somewhere fucking real crazy like i remember that trip uh, i think it was laurie and, and and uh hippo and hippo just getting the fucking craziest pit <laughs> and just like his eyeballs were just like bloodshot by the time he came out of it and his head was just exploding like and then uh yeah, he was another standout in 2012 and I mean, talk us through your first trip there, though. Like, w when you first laid eyes on it at that size and, and, and just 
<laughs> what a dizzy mind. Yeah, it was, my mind was just like exploded. Uh, it was just uh, all over the place. And and we were there with some like incredible big wave riders and their intensity and their hunger for the wave and just like going, I think everyone who was a part of those sessions at the 2011 or 9, 10 to 12, like we're just feeling a part of something incredibly special and rare and new. And, you know, those guys had a ton more experience. Like guys, like I remember Garrett McNamara, I saw him, he was towing in, he was stand up paddling, he was paddle surf, normal surfing. And his appetite for it was just mind boggling. I was like so impressed with just his enthusiasm and hunger to just pack huge cones, like just, ah, like the craziest shit I've ever seen. And everyone really, you know, Dave Wassel was mm. obviously an amazing dude. And Mark Healy, um, Reef, uh, you know, those guys, they were treating it pretty casually. And obviously they were probably revved up. Everyone knew that you could get the wave of your life, but it was just great to be around those guys and seeing how they approached it. And um, you learn a lot in those moments. Mm. So yeah, I might put a few noses out of joint, but man, the Hawaiians are kind of on another level when the conditions get like that. I mean, like not totally. There's there's outliers from other nations that um, definitely definitely uh, are in that conversation too. But just as a collective, man, far out. I, you know, they've got the waves. Obviously, like it, it makes sense um, why they'd be that little bit more comfortable and and. and push the limits that little bit further but yeah it's it's remarkable man that wave cole got is it's probably my favorite wave of all time i think like yeah he doesn't make it but frick the line he draws and just how deep he is (laughs) in that thing oh man it's iconic it couldn't happen to a better dude and he was wearing like um that was like right at the beginning when people were like a couple of people had paddle vests but there was nothing else like i think cole had like a like a surf shirt, like hooded rash <laughs> yeah, thing. And, and his yeah. board was like a semi, it, he was calling it like, a, it was like something that you could ride on like three to four foot waves too. It was like this really broad design where it was like kind of not like super gunny, but, and he was just like, I, those guys are on another level, you know? And it's so sick to see. And then too, to see where it's going, like guys at Jaws, like, there's such heavy commitment and, you know, guys like Cole and that generation, they paved the way hugely. So to see them in that, their element on that way, it was like, you know, I think they were, they were really excited. Mm. And, and you barely, it. you barely knew who any of these guys were before Cloudbreak came on the scene, like being from Australia anyway, like, you know, and that, I don't even know if they were like really sponsored at the time. Like Cole, I don't remember there being stickers on his board. So you're going like, who are these people? Like, what the hell's going on here? There's a fucking 20 foot point break. Uh, and like, there's just these guys I've never heard of on yellow boards and sloppy, like loose well, fitting rashes. We didn't even packing. know that they were like in 2000, um, during the Volcom comp, it was funny cause we didn't know that they were filming it still like, uh, right. that the webcast was going on. And so it's like crazy because we came in from that session going like, oh, that was so fun. Like, wow, that was crazy. And then like the whole world got to be a part of that moment. And it was such a wild experience. And that's like you said, like, I feel like the whole world got turned on to it. And it blew my mind just to see like the spread of like everyone getting all juiced and 
And yeah, like you said, like guys like Dave on that yellow board getting mm. like the wave of a lifetime on oh. that in front of that audience. I mean, it will stand the test of time as one of the greatest rides ever. You know, it's so cool. Yeah. So you're sitting there in your office. Like I remember being at the stab office, watching it on the broadcast. And there's this guy who's just like commentating the whole day and just, you know, telling the story of the day and giving insights that were just so amazing. It was unbelievable. You know, it's like Wassel on the mic and Slater on the mic. And next minute, he's out there packing one. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, the buzz in the, in the water when guys are getting the wave of their lifetime. It's the most incredible thing to be a part of. And the afterglow, it just resonates so strong. And those memories are forged in our lives forever. You know, it's just like you can never forget something like that. You know, just seeing it. I can't even imagine riding it <laughs> but um yeah that's a you know big way of serving for me it just creates those opportunities to have those those moments um that clearly you know you remember forever so yeah. it's it's a really it's rare especially in, in life and in surfing that you have something so powerful and heavy and vulnerable like that so you said you can't imagine what it's like uh to kind of be on the wave of your life, but you did get the one of the waves of your life in that 2012 swell. Like, man, like talk us through that thing from start to finish and, and what it looks like in the guts of one of those things. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, it's like jumping into a bowl of blue jello or something, you know? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that sounds crazy, but you're just surrounded in just blue magma you know it's so beautiful the sound is just really intense and the spit the way it hits is just wide open everything is just in slow motion um i had a really fun one 2012 i probably got maybe the best wave of my life that i completed in 2016 and then 2018 the last big swell out there there was a nice one just previously but the last one i was there for it was, um, that was probably my biggest one. It was like the first wave in the morning. Um, and it just, man, it was one of those giant West ones that kind of closes out, I guess, or like the runners that you can almost make if you're in the right place on the wave. And I made it pretty far. And I think in that moment, it was like the most uh, collision. It was like strongest collision of fear and and happiness and and peacefulness and chaos that I've ever experienced. You know, I could see it happening and I knew it was just this massive orb going around me that uh, it was just unreal, you know, and I got pounded on that wave and I came up and it just, the most accurate description would be like getting struck by lightning. Like it felt like you survived something you shouldn't have, you know, and mm. to me, that was like the peak of my whole mission was to feel something that raw and radical. And obviously I would have loved to make that one specifically, but that was just almost crazier not making it. Cause you got the whole experience, you know, <laughs> it was, it was like, if you make them, sometimes you don't know the price you can pay. Um, and so when you do feel the wrath, you understand the value of what you're going for. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, man. I, uh, I can't imagine like just being in a barrel that size, your description was amazing, by the way, that was, that was like, 
so eloquently put and that really did actually transport me as close to the womb as I can get, you know, without packing one myself. But just the sheer size of the tube, it must be, you know, in in some ways you, you kind of almost must feel safe looking at just the amount of space you've got. Once you do get a good line through it, it must just be like, oh my God, there's no way I can fuck this up. I could drive a <laughs> Volkswagen bus through this thing. Yeah, for sure. But then, you know, then you do get in that headspace where you're exactly like you're describing, but then you go to pump your like nine mm. foot board and it mm. doesn't have that like responsiveness of a six foot board where you're just weaving in it. So it's like steering a canoe through it, you know, um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Honestly, it's like honestly comical when you're in a barrel that big and you're in a huge void, you're like, what the fuck? But then, you know, sometimes like uh, in a lot of situations I've had the barrel will start breathing in and when you're super deep and that starts happening on a big board you usually get launched and mm. uh, that's that's a shocker because like you said you're seeing the exit like you could drive a freaking semi through that thing but sometimes the barrel doesn't cooperate and you just get blown to pieces <laughs> or it comes from behind you and you're soul washing and you're just like what I'm killing it that made my day so. yeah oh man the backdraft is one of the both most exhilarating and uh kind of challenging things to to manage in surfing it's robbed me of some of the best waves of my life and uh <laughs> yeah. i can only imagine what it's like at that level your skin must be ripping off your head like a nasa astronaut in one of those <laughs> testing experiments when those things backdraft on you no, seriously. Yeah. I thought I, yeah, I was like hoping I had some left on the head for sure. But, uh, like I said, it was just, it was just juiced up to the gills. Like after you got a beat down like that, it was just like, Oh my God. I remember coming back to the boat. My board had been broken in like, I think three pieces. And, uh, Ryan Hargrave, a good friend of ours made the rescue came in and got me after a couple waves and man, I came back to the boat and Tanner was there just looking at me like my eyes were just probably bugging out of my head. <laughs> and uh, GMAC was on the front and he was just super frothy. And it was just such a cool feeling. It was just like, holy shit, I got off the boat and did that. That was a, that was crazy, you know? So the hardest part is really getting off the boat those days because, I mean, it's freaking massive. And uh, you ideally want to make them, but you know, you're going to take some beatings to make a few for sure. Mm. So what's the nature of a beating when it's that size? I guess like, is it more the, the sheer violence of the ocean as opposed to hitting the bottom? I think it's different for every time. Like some, some people just, it just depends on how you fall and where you fall, but yeah, it can be pretty extreme and violent. Your arms are flying around and you don't have a lot of bodily control and you're going super deep and, um, the worst one I had, it was super funny cause I was so deep and I pulled my chute at the bottom and I was like, after a while, I'm like hitting my chest and, and I, I was like, man, it doesn't feel like it's inflating at all. But I was thinking maybe it was because I was at such depth that the pressure was too strong maybe. And then, you know, as you start rising, it feels like you kind of pop up, you know, as you get closer to the surface, you go a little faster. That's what it felt like. But uh, yeah, it's just about staying calm, relaxing. 
And at that point, I was just so fired up because I was like underwater getting my butt kicked. And I was like, I just got to, you know, the thought of getting on the plane, doing the whole thing, the build up to swells, and then to actually be in a barrel that big, that's what you go for. So I was at the bottom just going, yeah, I'm in a funky spot right here, but I was already stoked. I was like smiling probably down there, just going, you know, you got it. (laughs) You You saw what it looked like. That's the freaking thing, you know, because it's hard. It's so hard. And I just want that one moment. I don't need a lot of moments. I just, you know, just want that one where I push myself to the limit and just see where it takes me, you know, so. That's kind of my philosophy with riding those kind of waves. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. So, so many of the barrels that you get in life are not ones where it throws out a section in front of you. Like They're the ones. They're the ones where you get the complete experience of the vision and still get to emerge. And they're rare for me and a lot of people. Um, so I get exactly what you're saying. Like the the kind of the, <laughs> the full experience of getting blown up yeah. by a 15-footer at Cloudbreak. <laughs> yeah it's you know we feel i feel grateful it's you know if you think about how rare those swells are and to be in the right headspace and physically ready and have the right boards have the right preparation and you know it's 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 special when it comes together so i never take one for granted and that's why you kind of have to rise to the occasion and make sure that if you have the opportunity you got to go for it so and that's, look, look at, yeah, looking back across them, like, you know, what were the, the moments or, or the memories that really stick out in your mind? Um, it's a hard question because there, there, there would have been so many, but like, uh, yeah, I think actually sharing it with my brothers, to be honest, like getting the chance to spend 2012 with Patrick. He was there competing for the tour at the welcome event. And he brought me along because I had a little experience out there. And so, you know, obviously I was excited to go to Fiji again too. Um, And then Tanner came with me in 2018. And to share those experiences together was just freaking next level. You know, that that's the most meaningful thing to me, you know, um, we just had a nice chance to ride some waves during the last Eddie Swell in Hawaii um, together, all three of us. And we've ridden a couple of big wave sessions together, the three of us. And it's just cool. You know, it's scarier because, you know, you, you want everyone to make it back safe on another level. But uh, after the day's over, it's frick, it's the coolest feeling. And to have those memories together, it's just yeah that's that's what stands out the most that's that's sick man yeah it, it must be crazy having a a, a trio of brothers like two brothers i guess you, you and pat are, are twins too right yeah pat pat and i are twins and tanner's two years younger than us and um it's cool because i mean we grew up in uh sharing the same room you know and um tanner and i were in bunk beds and pat had his own little little bad and you know we've been close since the very beginning and obviously going through you know battles with each other and different dimensions and layers but the core of our family has always been super rock solid and 
when you're in those hyper stress situations or big wave situations, it just brings you closer. You know, those guys always have our back and, you know, we, we always look out for each other. And, you know, in those moments, those are the people that you want to experience them with. So it was, yeah, I love my brothers, man. Love so, that, dude. What a, what, a, yeah. what a special thing to be able to share with, with, with your blood and, and have that level of history that's, you're adding chapters to it constantly, constantly adding chapters and, and layers and depth of connection through these insane experiences. Yeah, and it just keeps going. Uh, I, hopefully, we have a great lifelong relationship with surfing and and we can share it with our kids or whoever else that may be and and we can always come together around the ocean. So that's the goal and... Yeah, just got to keep it rocking. <laughs> you know? Man, what so, about that? Find, find new inspirations, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, That's not... why I like what Tom Carroll and those guys are doing. Like, mm-hmm. Tom's like, when I look at the older generation of how they're finding longevity in, in surfing and in their life, mental health and um, body health and spirituality, like, it's just awesome, man. You know, we're so lucky to have people like Tom and, you know, Jerry and all those guys who have kind of found a way to stay young and stay agile and stay in a good state of mind to not only be good people, but also get in the water and enjoy it. You know, it's got to be at that certain age, you know, you got to stay fresh. So I'm really grateful to have those guys. This kind of Northern, you know, just set the compass. Mm, mm. Yeah, it seems like a lot of that older generation, you know, man, they lived through the the absolute peak of the craziness, the 80s and 90s, they survived it, nearly didn't, you know, and a lot didn't, um, through just the the peak of excess and overindulgence that came with professional surfing and that kind of rock star lifestyle. But then to see them, just their commitment to uh, reinvention, and their fearlessness around that is really inspiring, man. I like, you know, so many people in life get stuck on a track. They get stuck in a culture. They get stuck with this identity that they have to be this. And if they, you know, what if being this isn't working out for you? Um, you know, well, some people will still be that thing until they fucking die or they destroy their families or destroy their lives or whatever. But those guys, you know, they're the apex predators man they're at the top of the pops they've ridden the heaviest waves of all time they've uh, you know won world titles um you know blaze trails they were absolute raging party animals that did all the things that you shouldn't do and uh with the you know the chest beating alphas but um at a certain point in their lives they realized that that wasn't serving them or the people they loved and they just fucking junked it all and they changed tact and became something completely different. And that to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, there's nothing I respect more than that. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, how life goes, huh? Like, um, you wake up each day and you got to like, um, feel inspired about whatever you're tackling and, and the relationships you have and how you're feeling inside and, and it changes as time goes on. And it's so cool to see how they adapted. And, uh, you know, I, I feel the same way and in different ways, but 
you know, just you have to grow. You can't be afraid and, and stay in the same box. And surfing is the greatest teacher for that because, you know, to be honest, when I step on a board, I don't know. And I, I know I'm going to suck on it fills me with joy because it takes you back a couple steps and you get to relearn. And I think hopefully my philosophy is maybe if I can instill that mantra across many layers of my life that maybe, you know, hopefully you keep growing mentally and spiritually and personally until the very end, you know, wherever that may be, but at least it seems difficult, you know, for people it's I you know even in my own life it's difficult sometimes so it's uh hopefully surfing kind of can be a little bit of an education in how to stay flexible and and not be afraid you know at the end of the day uh, to so, try new things yeah dude yeah yeah a hundred percent yeah you, you single-handedly have uh you know just in preparation for this interview i, I just went through a full dang gooding wormhole (laughs) and i was just like oh man like just reliving a lot of the 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 films you've put out man that film explore your mind i think it's called that is oh yeah that's an opus dude that's one of the best i've seen uh it's right up there in that classic category of southern californian kind of countercultural epically curated surfing footage and storytelling and philosophy and music and little trippy grainy vignettes of all these things but um yeah just just watching it all it, it got me really inspired to once again broaden my palette in terms of my surfing experience like and and reacquaint myself with the single fins in my quiver with the long boards with, with every available board that i've ever liked in my life and maybe even ones i haven't um just for that that's that new sensation that that you know, the new experience, I think Kerouac says that. He, he says that, you know, the secret to good living is new experience and new sensation. But, you know, that doesn't have to be physical. Like, you don't have to be traveling somewhere or, or going to a different culture or whatever. It can be, like, very simple things. It can be simply meditating and, and hitting a, a different space in your mind or whatever. It can be stepping on a, a surf craft and, and, and riding energy in a way that either you haven't before or you maybe did and, and haven't in years. And yeah, watching your dedication to the multitude of forms of riding waves, man, I can't, I can't tell you how motivating and in, inspiring that is. Uh, and, and that's what you said about inspiration is so important. And it's, it's something that a lot of people struggle with myself included, you know, waking up and feeling inspired and, waking up and feeling motivated like it's 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 something you got to work at man you got to put time into keeping yourself inspired and keeping the, the fire lit like where do you look for inspiration and motivation how do you stoke the fire yeah <clears throat> well i'm stoked you like that movie too we had fun with just getting in the groove on a bunch of different stuff but i think it's kind of like um it's not easy. You know, I think life is such an interesting thing and beautiful thing. And every day is a different day and a new day and setting the intentions and just st- all of it starts, you know, it seems like inside and, you know, being kind to yourself. And some days you got to 
put the gas pedal down so is you got to pull it up a little bit you know i don't think it's like full pedal to the metal the whole time and you know i feel like for me when i'm in my best uh representation of myself or you know i'm in tune and able to kind of share that energy with others but sometimes when i feel out of whack and funky you know you just got to bring it back to yourself that's why i like what you guys do with the swellings is meditation and the breath work and um, all that stuff, man, we're all just giving it a crack, you know, and I don't think anyone has, has the, uh, the total answers, but I think it's just trying your best and waking up and giving it a go, you know, being kind to yourself, be kind to others. And what more can you ask than that? Really? Well said, well said. Yeah. And, and just, I always look at it in terms of uh, creating energy. Like you can create energy. What what a crazy gift we have as humans. Like I don't know if many species have that in them. Well, they don't really have the awareness or self awareness. Uh, I guess maybe I'm wrong, but you know, just the ability to just lie on your back and do some breath work, yeah, do some breathe it off. Yeah, exactly, man. And you just create a fireball of energy within yourself, or qigong, or yoga meditation. You know, running, weightlifting, whatever it is. But then surfing is like, that creates so much energy in, in a way more cosmic way. It's, uh, I'm reminded of that epic quote by Mark Healy, which was in uh, relation to Cloudbreak, actually, where he talks about how there's some quantum physics theory that says that energy never dies. So, you know, when a storm creates all that energy thousands of kilometers away and creates these long period swells that eventually wrap around this atoll, the surfer that rides in the barrel and gets blown out of it or, <laughs> or not, the energy from that storm lives on inside of him or her. And that can be applied to also one and two foot waves, right? Yeah, well, I think 100%, but I, and I think what how can you how can you take that energy that you get from surfing and and transfer it even to further beyond into mm. your community and mm. and your friends like that's what i the number one thing i love about the swellians and the you know your guys whole crew is like man i would kill to be at a live show just to be in the audience because like that that energy is what it is like that's the like culmination of why we surf and ride these waves and then how you deliver it you know and how it can transcend into the whole community and people feel empowered and connected and i think you know like you said the energy just keeps going but like you know giving someone a hug looking at them in the eyes all those things like communicating listening to them you know all of those moments and interactions are just as valuable as riding the barrel of your life because you never know what's going to be more significant to, you know, it's just, those things are meaningful and it just transfers all the way through. And that's why I love the swelling. It's like you guys live show gets me so hyped and you know, anything that we've done in our communities and board drives and Stokerama, like Gram events, like it's just, I feel that energy just, boosts you and, and makes you feel a part of everything. And I think that could be, there's just some magic in there, you know, so. Ah, appreciate that, man. That's great. And oh, you'll be sad to know we actually had an American tour booked. You did? Last year. Did I miss it? 
No, just oh like God. it didn't go down. Dude, we've got the, the poster and everything. The poster's amazing. We've got a tour poster. It might still happen. I mean, Whoa. it will still happen. I just don't know when. But yeah, it was some freaking visa glitch or some some bullshit. I think it was just like COVID related. They were being real stingy with visas for entertainers <laughs> or like some crap. But yeah, we'll get over there, man. And uh, yeah, they are a trip, man. And a lot of that energy, the way I survive it, because it's fucking terrifying. I'm not like built for public speaking. I never, there was never in my crystal ball. That was Vaughn's crystal ball. But uh, yeah, I- but that, see, that's it, a perfect example. Like I feel the same way with, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing in surfing and is riding big waves in particular. Some days you go beyond what you think you're able to do or mm. self-expectations. And, and those are like you said, like, you plug into a higher energy frequency and it's freaking rock solid, man. It, you know, I can't imagine after a big show like that or anything, it, it's got to be a great feeling. Yeah. Well, I, I go into them generating that energy. I do a heap of Wim Hof and like just get that energy. And, and what gets me through it is knowing how much joy it, it, it brings to other people. Like, you know, it, 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 yeah, there is a high afterwards, but it's mostly relief and, um yeah Yeah. and like i've i I am coming to enjoy the experience more for sure and and you do but it's like it's a lot it's a lot to download all them heads like hanging on every word and you know like well i can't believe you had to do a a dane gadowska's download (laughs) like like the amount of information you guys like are able to retain is is incredible Ah, uh, you know, I just want you to know that we appreciate it, man. You know, from over here, that's unreal. So that, get, that gets me really, that gets me pumped. I love anyone who's just living like the stories and the elders and everything. Like, man, that's like what makes us so lucky to be surfers and having those stories be told and having all that stuff be shared. And it's yeah, it's allowing the culture to grow for the next generation or anyone to tap into it and understand a little bit more about where it came from. Totally, so. man. Like growing up where I did in the city, like we, it was like a city beach. The, the waves were crowded and not that good. So looking back on it, I think like, like we really clung to the culture particularly like because we didn't have the wave quality. Like there was good waves around and the waves were really consistent. It's kind of like Huntington, I guess, or something. But like we clung to the culture and the stories, man. And um, that was like such a formative part of my life as a teenager and it changed the course of it. And, you know, that's why I love what you guys do with the positive uh, vibe warriors like that, you know, introducing people, particularly from troubled backgrounds to that culture and all the uh, opportunities for growth and travel and just the insanely hilarious characters and the mishaps and all of it, man. It's this, it's one of the great, human inventions like it really is it's almost like crazy that we've come up with it and it's all true man what timothy leary said is bang on about surfers being the thrower heads of mankind and um you know chatting with uh we had uh jerry lopez on the show a while ago and uh yeah just just talking to him like i (laughs) i couldn't get this thing out of my head like in Australia, we got like, uh, in Sydney, for example, you got like, in, in like the western suburbs, like way away from the coast, they actually happen to be pretty close to like where heaps of slabs are on the south coast. Like there's a direct highway down there. So like, man, you get these kids from freaking like, just like the most beat up homes, like 
public housing, like, you know, they, they drive down the coast in their hatchback with four mates and four bodyboards or, you know, like, and they just jump out of this hatchback and throw their boards out like some kind of Monty Python clown <laughs> skit. They'll just pile out and just attack some kind of mutant slab and, you know, they're smoking cones in the car before they run out and start packing them. And I'm like, imagine what God would think looking down on all this like look at like he'd just be like this is a glitch like i didn't see this coming look at these kids like running down to the beach huffing some dried plants and then just like <laughs> throwing themselves into these like hollow glass sculptures and they're blowing out and they come out screaming and clapping like seals like man this is trippy i didn't see this in my crystal ball yeah it's it's such a that's what you feel fortunate you know and and for anyone coming into the community and culture of surfing you have everyone has their opportunity to make their own version of it and and put their own make it their own you know and that's what's so cool about surfing it doesn't matter where you come from you it's your your experience and you have total freedom but it's comforting knowing that you're not alone in the journey and that you're all riding together on the wave and go hopefully that is empowering you know for people to go wherever they want to go with it you know, it doesn't matter. That's what I love. Whatever culture you come from, I love it when that becomes infused in their style and approach. And, you know, I remember when we were in Jamaica um, surfing with the kids down there and they had such refreshing style. I just, I just, I don't know, it was raw and just ballistic and ah, just everything, every. every culture has its own style and I love it when it's infused in the whole approach. And, you know, that's, it gets me excited and no matter where it is, I mean, if you're packing slabs, just, oh, you know, all of the above is just, that's what makes who we are and what we do so special. Totally, man. It, it's, it, it's enriching beyond belief getting to like surfing's your bridge into these cultures. Otherwise you wouldn't probably go there and, Man, it was such a great teacher for me too, being young and, you know, like traveling through all these countries. A lot of them are pretty poor and stuff and having these amazing connections with uh, people who were, had fucking a fraction of what we've got in this country. And, and yet they were so generous and, and, and kind, um, despite the fact, you know, in the case of Indonesia and countries like that, like our countries were like stealing their shit and like they know it, but they still treat us well. And, um, yeah, like having all those interactions, it really like imbued me with a sense of both gratitude for, uh, you know, what I've got at home, but also this immense respect for these other cultures and countries, which, you know, people don't necessarily get in life. You know, a lot of people have really wacky ideas about race and superiority and fucking just this ridiculous horseshit that's based on just a lack of interaction with other cultures. And surfing just, just like fucking drops you straight in the cauldron, man. You're just like getting booted off some bus with your board bag and just like hanging your thumb out, like, <laughs> and you just, you're in it. Like, it's like, oh, well, I uh, hope these uh, people are kind because uh, I'm really depending on that now. And they always are. It's, I've never, you know, this is the odd negative interaction here and there, but there's not one place I've been and I've been a uh, freaking, I don't even know. My, my old passport was pretty much full. So uh, it just goes to show like, such a great teacher in, in terms of the oneness of people yeah. and uh, just the, 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 what we, that we have so much more in common than, than we don't. Yeah. And it's just an opportunity to learn everywhere you go. 
and just listen and um just you know that's what I've always just enjoyed is just being a visitor, you know, and understanding that you're going to someplace new and it's a great opportunity to to learn a little bit more about where you are and where you're going and what makes that area so interesting. Uh, and I think, you know, in those formative years of doing random QS events all over the place, that rawness to the approach and no iPhone and no technology and just free time to spend with people was really impactful in terms of formulating kind of uh, that approach. So, so yeah, it's kind of interesting, huh? It's, uh, yeah. Surfing just drops you right into it because if when you're in the way, in the lineup, all sharing this space together and someone gets a good one, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, like, man, you can't help but be stoked and share that stoke. And, and that's kind of a universal thread, even if it's someone's first wave. Uh, I almost feel like it's more enjoyable to be around people experiencing their very, very, very first waves because that joy, like you said before, is so accessible to people and, and they can start feeling those transformative uh, effects and emotions and and being around that takes that callous away from a super experienced surfer and just, I don't know, sharing that time with people. It's That's kind of funny because it's the last thing you'd expect to be doing, but you know, it's, it's really cool because it makes you feel lucky for doing what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty strange paradox too, like, you know, so many surfers are invested in keeping waves uncrowded, keeping surfing uh, as a subculture and not mainstream as in, you know, just keeping people out of the culture and the sport. But at the same time, like, you kind of also want people in the cult of getting coned. Um, and because we know how enriching it is and we know that it's a force for ultimately immense good. Like, what's your take on crowds? You're from a part of the world that is super busy. Um, you know, how do you navigate that paradox of like, uh, like, yeah, you're dealing with crowds, dealing with a lot of ignorance in the lineup? Yeah, that's of- it. <laughs> it's it, that is the the uh, the magic question. You know, it's um, you see both sides of it. I just feel like we've seen the effects, the positive effects, the amazing transformative impact it can have on people's lives all around the world. Um, I think it's just about doing it in a way that fosters respect for others, understanding how the ecosystem works. And a lot of times those, you know, uh, lessons go untaught or however it may be. Um, And it just turns into chaos. I mean, some spots just can't handle too many people, but I do feel like, on the greater, you know, if I look at the greater picture, I'd rather have so many people experiencing it in a way that's meaningful to them and being able to have their own journey. Like I'm less concerned at this moment about my own place because I know I can find the holes in the lineup and may not be the best waves or whatever, but, you know, I feel like as an expert surfer or a skilled surfer, you have the skill set to be able to identify where the waves aren't and maybe make smart decisions to still get what you need out of the bit. But uh, I just feel fortunate to have been a surfer. So, you know, 
it makes me really happy to see people get turned on to it. And I know that's, that's possibly an unpopular mindset if you look at, you know, more impact of crowds X, Y, and Z. But I think if you foster that culture and community in a way that's um, educated about ocean safety, ocean awareness, environmental awareness, then I think it can be a great thing. It can actually save the world. It can save our oceans. It can actually save our culture. Uh, so I think if you look at it that way, there's a lot of opportunity for, for a lot of people to get involved in, in a way that's not going to blow blow things to smithereens. Mm, yeah, you're not wrong. It could save the world. I mean, some of the most powerful people on the planet surf. Mark Zuckerberg's one of them. Uh, <laughs> Barack Obama well, was bloody body bashing cakey shawbray. Yeah, well, I was kind of meaning more like environmentally, you know, like when you're out there and you see pollution and you see all the runoff and you feel inspired to make a difference and mm. change maybe some habits or pay attention to things. Um, maybe politically, who knows? Like someone may come from the ocean and be like an inspired member, but uh, I was more kind of referring environmentally and and you never know. Yeah, I mean, how cool would that be? That would be kind of weird, you know? Like if a, someone, yeah. Someone was able to make a global impact as a surfer, so. But, well, yeah, I mean... I find it almost impossible. Like I challenge you to surf like properly, like commit yourself to surfing and not have it influence you in terms of the way you look at the environment, uh, the way you look at health and well-being. Uh, it, it just broadens the human experience in, in such a healthy way. Like I, I, I find it impossible to think that you, you can be untarnished in the way you understand the world through surfing and that that way that you understand the world through surfing is always super positive in in a number of ways so i look at like you know you, people can whinge and joke and write the zuckerbergs of this world off but i'm like man that's a good thing that's a good thing that he, he loves surfing and he freaking you know lives in hawaii and uh <laughs> he's like kind of chasing that man that, that's 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 great like I, like that guy's influence is is huge. Uh, I know it's so, kind of it's kind of scary to, to when you think about the influence of a singular person, um, and you know I, it's it's just tough. You know, like I see both sides to it, but I think um, at the end of the day, it'd be cool to have people more sensitive to the situation and understand the ecosystem and and be able to make a you know judgment from experience upon it. So. But yeah, that's kind of Zuckerberg is crazy though. I mean, the guy he's runs the metaverse, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, when I trip on, I think about that. But um, well, it's the natural progression for an adult learner, isn't it? I mean, like if if you can't surf oh good God. in this life, at least uh, maybe you can build a repertoire <laughs> in your the avatar. Man, I'm sure you could digitally recreate, maybe even you know, Nazare pulling in at Nazare on that thing. So Whoa, yeah. One dude, day. That's how you get your forty foot <laughs> clothes out. You just get strapped Whoa. into some VR set and uh I don't know, like one of them like can shaking devices for a human, I guess, that just freaking shakes you around until your eyeballs <laughs> explode. You could do it. I mean I, I'm not as hungry for that in my life now. Um so maybe the VR set would do good, but 
you know, it's funny because, I don't know, I'm 37 now. I just love, I'd be happy enough just standing on a wave going straight. Like I surf with my wife all the time and she laughs at me so hard because I, I just don't care if it's so shitty. Like the worst waves you've ever seen. Like I just, I'm just, that makes me even happier. Like honestly, at this point, some weird way. It's just finding little nuggets and diamonds when you least expect it is kind of, you know, it's great. Man, so. that's it. That's why you're a freaking cultural icon is for that exact reason, man. You are like trailblazing in terms of the way you show people how to enjoy surfing. Like that's what I get the most from watching you surf, man. It's like... You do classical maneuvers with this jazzy free form style that, that's all your own. You put so much of your own into it and um, you know, classical lines, classical maneuvers done incredibly well to like this expert degree, but with your own personal flair. But then you apply that to freaking waves that are six inches high and absolute rubbish. Uh, and all of that is just so illuminating in terms of like how people should approach surfing, the attitude they should have. Yeah, it doesn't have to be six foot in tubing um, for you to get your fill. You can get more or less the same sensations with the right equipment in all kinds yeah. of conditions. And and I think that is such a great strategy for avoiding getting cranky and, and worked up about your, your local point break being crowded when <laughs> it used to be uncrowded and this and that. Like that is such a common refrain up here where I live. There's so much... Uh, I don't know, resentment yeah. and uh, just like negativity in, in surfing because of the crowds. And it, I get it. I mean, certain situations are just hectic and dangerous. Uh, so no one wants that. But I think, uh, you know, opening your perspectives to, to what you're doing out there is kind of cool, you know. And it may take time to get there. It may feel really weird for a while. <laughs> but I think... Uh, at the end of the day, it just frees you up to grow old with it. You know, I think uh, you look at any relationship you've ever had during your life and, and it changes and it grows and it, it shape shifts. And if you're still in the relationship, then it's a great thing. So, you know, I definitely don't think I'll view surfing the same way when I'm 70 as I do now. And who knows, maybe I'll just watch a wave or body surf or freaking who I don't know, maybe I'll be in great shape and be able to do cutbacks and snaps and all the, this and that, you know, maybe they'll invent some like, I don't know, health thing or something, but I'm, I'm happy enough. Just, just enjoying it. I'm pretty sure you can already get that health thing in Tijuana. Can you? Yeah. I'm sure. South of the border. <laughs> pretty sure there's a few but, uh, uh, hormones <laughs> and uh, injections that you can get to, uh, you know, free those hips up. For 20 to oh man years. i know isn't it funny like the deterioration i just served for a couple of hours like three hours and you know my back and you got to think of a little bit more about things uh recovery i guess longevity that's kind of yeah what i'm inspired by not getting all buff and whatever pumping iron it's just uh trying to stay long and strong mm, i love that man well before i let you go like any parting uh, pearls of wisdom or messages uh, to our listeners, anything you'd like to impart on the world? Dude, I just think freaking love the Swellians. Woohoo! <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. 
just get me up to a show, boys. I want to come hang and drink some beers and just freaking love it. I love you guys, man. I'm serious. No joke. I just, I appreciate you guys. And um, to anyone who's waking up today, wondering how it's going to go, just freaking lean into it, dig into it. And uh, yeah, I'm riding with you. So we're all in it. Let's enjoy it. So that's it. Thank you so much, Dane. Really appreciate you, man. Your energy, your vibe, your attitude, uh, your just the the example that you set, not only in surfing, but in the the the, the wider world and community at large with your community projects. All of it, man. It, it amounts to a an opus, a, a, an incredible life well lived. And uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure yarning with you. You're you're this week's call lord. Yes. Sounds good, you guys. Well, hopefully we'll keep it rolling for a couple more decades of just pure conage. You.